we were talking about Clifford uh, Jarvis, and you said, Sun Ra tries to tame everybody. He couldn't tame Clifford. And that was just a very intriguing comment. And in, in what ways does Sun Ra try... What, and how did he try to tame people? And, and well, Sun Ra wanted you to play what you couldn't play. Or what you play, play what you don't know. That's what he used to say. Play something that you don't know how to play. And he hated somebody that, that had all these things together. I mean, really had it together. And they knew uh, if they took a solo, they knew it would come out exactly on the, if it's a course, coming come out exactly on the one note of the next course. Well, that was all fine. But Sunrise wanted something more, I guess, more, he wanted to be surprised. He wanted to hear something he hadn't heard before. He wanted to hear you make a mistake, and he could turn the mistake into something exciting. He used to say, make a mistake and do something right. Yeah, that's what he meant, too, you know. And that, that wasn't only music, but he meant everything that you said, everything that you did. Uh, uh, he didn't want you to walk a straight line on what you thought was right because you missed you missed something. You always miss something by by putting blinders on. Okay. You know. If you put a blinders on and you walk a straight line, you miss what's behind you, you miss what's on both sides of you. And it can be a lot of things happening on both sides uh you're not really aware of because you're looking straight ahead and it's uh what you see straight ahead is like one-fourth, uh, uh, a fraction of what's happening around you because you very seldom look up, and most times you're looking down, and you don't see nothing but concrete. <laughs> you know, you're looking up, you don't even, if you look up, at least you can see a bird or something. Right. And he would talk about the only time the people in this band look up is when a pigeon drops something on their head. <laughs> <laughs> he said, that'll wake them up. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. How? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Ask. Oh, uh, how did this apply to Clifford? Is there? A, he, he, he. Well, Clifford had a way of playing, and it was Clifford's goal. It was Clifford's goal to be faster than, than uh, Buddy Rich. You know that's so interesting, because I was listening to Clifford the other night with Sun Ra. And I have also recently, and, and have always, but just recently gotten into a little Buddy Rich kick, okay? Mm-hmm. Listening to a lot of Buddy Rich, and I, I, was, I was listening to Clifford, and um, I was thinking, man, incredible drummer. You know, he's doing all this stuff. I go, man, he's so fast. And I just had to laugh because I've heard, you know, I was just thinking of Buddy Rich going, well, Buddy, would, I think, would be up for the challenge, you know? Uh, well, anyway, I think I'm the only one he ever said that to Clifford. Ever. I don't know. So Clifford, Clifford said that. Yeah, he, Clifford said that to me. He's, uh, would you just repeat that once more? What he said. He said that he wanted he wanted to be able to play to be able to play faster and better than Buddy Rich. <laughs> goal. That's an admirable goal. That's <laughs> that's amazing. And you know, I told you about what Sunrise said about Max. Uh, no. I didn't tell you what Sunrise said about Max. 
Well, you told me what he said about you, that you were sounding too much like Max, so he didn't give you, give you too many solos, but what did he say about Max? Okay. He said to me in Paris once, and I was talking, I asked him, well, what, what is wrong with Max's playing? He says, there's nothing wrong with Max's playing. It's you. It's wrong with you trying to play like it. He said, even if you did play like him, note for note, it would be wrong because you have such a such a potential that you should play yourself, and you would, you could, you know, uh, you could really play if you wanted to play. But he says, no, I have nothing against Max Roach. In fact, I think Max Roach is probably one of the greatest drummers in the world because he doesn't know the gift that he gave the world. So I got real interested in so I started asking questions. So he told me, well, if you remember when you came to Chicago, what you brought to Chicago and why everybody was, was, was hiring you because you bought something different and what you bought was what you had seen Max Roach do. And the first thing you did was that you was playing the sock symbol. At that time, I didn't really notice that, but it's true. I never saw any drummers playing sock cymbals except when they was playing on the sock cymbal with the sticks. Okay. So he says, look, Max Roach took, put his foot on the uh, two and four with the sock cymbal, which meant he could take the he could take the back beat off the snare drum, right? Right. Because he has now has the same thing, but he has he's doing it with his foot on the sock cymbal. Right. Okay. And he's lightened up on the bass drum. Sure did. And he's also accenting two and four on the ride cymbal. That gives his hand, left hand, and his foot a chance to improvise and 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 talk. But the rest of the musicians have a conversation with the rest of the musicians. He said nobody in the history of jazz drumming had done that before. And what he did was that the band could now play. You could now hear the bass player. And uh, you could now hear the piano player. And you could hear the soft, the softness of the horns. If the horns wanted to play soft or if he wanted to play soft, there you had it. The, the drummer didn't have to be loud and boomy with the boomy bass drum going poor, poor. And he says, Max did all of that. And nobody's ever given him credit for it. And I doubt if he even knows it himself. You know? So he says, those are the facts that makes Max one of the greatest drummers in the world. But I don't want you to play like that. I mean, it's good to play in an idiom but find something for yourself. And that's how it come about. He told me that about Max. And I really felt good, you know. Because at first I thought he didn't, you know, I thought that he didn't like Max. Uh, but that wasn't true. Because if you listen to Sunrise Band, after I left Chicago and he got the first band together, mm -hmm. you'll find that the drummer was playing like me. The drummers were swinging the way I was swinging when I was in Chicago. Okay. And you can hear that swing in the band. And, and he he carried that all the way through, you know. And usually he had two drummers. And one drummer, if, if he had two drummers, he let me swing. I didn't have to play the other stuff. All right, yeah. You know, and he usually kept 
I played a lot with Lex. Me and Lex seemed to be a, a, a compatible pair with Sunrise, because Lex could remember. If we go to rehearsal and rehearse something, Lex knew that forever. When we ever play, if ever we played that tune again, Lex knew exactly what to play. Now, Mia is a little different. If we didn't rehearse that tune, but maybe for a week or so, and then we didn't play it for a year, uh, I heard something different next time we, we played a tune. Uh -huh. And I would play something different. And I think somehow I kind of liked that, too. I think that's one of the reasons that we would rehearse for a couple of weeks uh, on one tune, and then we never play the tune again. Uh, say we was in California, right? Right. All the tunes that we rehearsed in California for the concert. Yeah. When it come concert day, we didn't play those tunes. We 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 played tunes that we had rehearsed in New York. Okay. Now when we get to Europe, we play in, in Egypt. We're playing the tunes that we rehearsed in California. Huh. And I was playing saxophone with that, right? I was playing alto saxophone. Anyway. Okay. Did, did you play alto sax at the uh, UC Berkeley concert? Yeah. Oh, I might have a photograph of you. Uh, Clifford Jarvis was playing drums. Okay. At, at one point, all the saxophonists gathered in like a circle right at the front of the stage. And I know Marshall was there and Danny, and and I took a photo, and there's three. Well, I might be in it. That might be you. So I'll have to check playing, that. I only played on like two different tunes. Okay. But I, and I don't remember. I remember uh, the tunes all right. In fact, I got the music. What were the what what was the music you were playing on? Playing saxophone on. What's that? Discipline something. Okay, one of the discipline numbers. Okay. Yeah, and the other ones I don't remember the name. Okay. But I think I played on three three different tunes. Okay. And uh, and. Uh, that was all through Europe. Now, when we get to get back to uh, Holland, uh, we put our stuff in storage to go to to, to uh, go to uh, Egypt. Egypt. And when we come back, we can we didn't have enough money to get our stuff in storage, and I didn't have enough money to ship to ship my horns and stuff to to Sweden. So I put my horn in in storage with Sunrise other stuff. I never got my horn back. Uh, what happened? Nobody knows. They got the stuff back, but nobody knows what happened to my horn. To your horn. Okay. Okay. If I could return to Clifford Jarvis for a second. Um, yeah. Sunrod couldn't tame Clifford. Did he? How did he try to tame Clifford? If <laughs> well, first of all, he told, he told Clifford that his father had given him to Sunrise. Okay. Right. But Sunrise would No, what did he mean by your father gave me to gave you to me? Well, uh, when 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 uh Clifford was young when he came to the band. How young? I don't know, he must have been 16 or 17. Oh, okay. And so uh Sunrise had to get permission from his father. So I see. Okay. So he talked to his father and his father said, you can have him. Okay. I see. Okay. So somehow I never, never let Clifford forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Your father gave you to me. 
that's so Sun Ra, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, he would try. He would try to, especially in rehearsals. He would make some. Uh, he would make. Well, he did that to all drummers. Make you play something else other than uh, what you was playing, and it would be. Well, he wasn't so. Well, some. You know, Clifford is very uh, strong. Physically strong? strong? Mentally and, 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 and his will is pretty strong. Yeah. So Sun Ra never did to him like he would do to, say, me, uh, 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 what's his name? Lex or uh, uh, no. uh, a drummer, you mean? No, what's the name of the drummer? Uh, who's playing with him now? Well, Buster? No, Buster's not with the band anymore. Oh, who's playing now with it? I don't know who's playing now with him. Well, I know his name. I just can't. Lukeman. Oh, Lukeman Ali. Okay. Now, somehow we'd be rehearsing like, you know, we always rehearse the public, like at Soldier's Film in uh, in Chicago. And you rehearsed at Soldier's Field? Yeah, we did. We played there for a concert. Oh, okay. So we rehearsed. We was rehearsing there before we played. And there's people there, lots of people. Yeah, okay. And somehow I would get off his, his instrument and come over and take the sticks out of your hands and say, I want you to play this. And he would show you? Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't play it, though. How was, uh, how was Sun Ra with the sticks in his hands? Did he have much uh, well, it, experience? It was like, like a... Well, listen, you can't quote this. Okay, can't quote this. It was like like a six year old with the sticks in his hands. Okay. And, you know. Okay. To me it was like that's what it sounded like to me. Anyway, what he played, I couldn't play. Okay. Okay. What he played, Clifford couldn't play. Okay. But Clifford, Clifford would 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 do about the same motions as Sunrise did, and then come out with some terrific stuff with his feet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And it was it would be so funny, and then somehow I would leave him alone. He never did that to 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 Clifford. So, but he would tell Clifford during rehearsal, we'd tell him, "I want you to play this and that, and I want you to play this." And most times Clifford didn't didn't Clifford play what Clifford wanted to play. And what would Clifford give? I mean, was Clifford able? I mean, was was it possible for him to give give Sunra a hard time back or something? Or I mean, well, he just, Clifford. Had a big respect respect for Sun Ra. Okay. He never he never argued with Sun Ra. He never said a harsh word or anything like that. He just didn't do it. Okay. 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 You know he just well I don't know maybe he couldn't. Okay. But he just didn't try to play what Sun Ra was telling him to play. And he played what he played what he heard. He okay. played what he felt. Okay. And it was good for the band. What Clifford was doing, I think, was good for the band. Sounds like it to me. So Clifford, when he was like 16, was he was really happening. Clifford was playing his behind off. Yeah. He was. That's very impressive for 16 years old and, and, you know, and like on. He stayed with the band longer than anybody except me. Any drummer except you. Yeah. Yeah. At any one time. Clifford stayed with yeah. the drummer for a long time. So what 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 did Clifford do to uh, to deserve being left behind in Egypt? Well, I can't tell you. I can't really tell you because I really don't know. Because Clifford came in the band other than the the few weeks before I went to Sweden that he was with. 
came with the band and rehearsed and fly and stuff like that. And then I played with him. He played when we was on the European tour. He played with us. But when I left, uh, Clifford took my place, right? Right. When I left New York and went to Sweden and didn't come back, Clifford took my place with the band. And he stayed with the band for a long time. And I think Clifford started taking jobs with other people. And Sunrise didn't like that. But he, uh, you know, he would go out and he'd play with other people. Yeah. And so uh, Sunrise is either him or uh, nobody. I guess at that time, I was the only person in the band that could play with somebody else, and then when I get finished, I could come back and play with Sunrise. That's because we started together. Right. And we started playing together way before Sunrise had his band, although he had a band at that time. We rehearsed every week, and we played. We played together a lot. You know, whenever he had a gig, we played together. Plus, we played with Lil Green and uh, King Colex and some other people we played together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sunrise had his uh, big band, and we re- rehearsed at the big band and maybe played once a year. Okay, okay. But we played a lot together. Okay. But when we got to New York, I was working. I was out working with Sarah McLaughlin. Right, right. And Richard Otto. Right. And, but wasn't working all that steady at that time. And we would be out for two weeks, and then... We'd be off for three weeks. Uh-huh. During the three weeks, well, we'd be recording the sunrise, or either we'd be playing in New York, and I could I stayed at home, and then they could come by every day. We'd rehearse and record and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. But sunrise didn't like the other people playing with, you know. Uh, he didn't like John when John left to go with uh, uh, Blakey. Blakely. He didn't like Pat playing with all the tunes he and all those other people he was playing with. And uh, he really didn't like Ronnie Borkins, and Ronnie, Ronnie Borkins was the uh, bass player in, in demand then, and Ronnie was playing with a lot of people. Right. Well, somehow wasn't making enough money to keep, you know, that everybody could pay their rent. That's true. That's and true. And so the guys would go out and work, and they come back, and they put their money in the pool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, oh, they would? Huh? People would pool the money for the band? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it was everybody. I did the same thing. You mentioned that before. You're right, right. I, here, here's a little... I just thought of this, but I was listening to the Copenhagen concert that's just been uh, reissued, or not reissued. It's been issued for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just came out. Calling Planet Earth. It's a three-CD set. It's everywhere. You can, you know... Uh, but uh, at the beginning of the Copenhagen tape, there's a voice saying Copenhagen, giving the date and all that. Mm-hmm. Is that you? It, did, it didn't sound like you. So I'm curious, who's the voice on the beginning of the tape, if you I know? Think, I think it's, um, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me see. It's either Pico or it's, uh, well, it wasn't Jackson. It was Pico. Oh, it probably was Tam Fiori. Oh, that's that's a good Tam Fiori thing. And that that sounds good to me because I it's a voice I don't recognize and I know everyone. Yeah, it was probably Tam Fiori. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. And that was your machine, right? Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, just just for the record, that machine was that the Nagra? Yes. Okay. Okay. And what kind of mic did you use on that? Do you remember? Oh, I used um, uh, Sennheiser 421. Really? Okay. Okay. By that time, I was doing film, so I had uh, access to good, good, better microphones. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump again here. But since since the name Buddy Rich came up. Uh, this is just an off-the-wall kind of thing. Did did Buddy Rich ever drop in and see you guys at all, or is there any indicator that well any contact? Or? Okay, Buddy Rich. I met Buddy Rich. Played with Buddy Rich one time. You played with we, Buddy Rich. I didn't play with his band. We played opposite. Oh, okay. We was playing a, uh, a club around the corner from Birdland. Okay. And in the sixties. Yeah, Bur, uh, Bur, um, Buddy Rich was playing. And I was playing with uh, Richard Otto and Sarah McLeod's trio. Uh, okay. Now, when we go in, uh, Buddy Rich says to Sarah, uh, we can't have two sets of drums on the stand. Okay. And I don't want nobody playing my drums. Okay. And Sarah said, oh, yeah. So she called, she called the union or something. And the union came down and he says, well, they have a contract to play here. And it's either they're going to play on your drums if you don't want another drum set on the bandstand, or either they put drums in, on the bandstand. Not enough room. I got 16-piece band. I don't have enough room. Not enough room for another drum. He says, well, you, you, the union said you, you should have thought about that before you signed a contract. <laughs> anyway, it come down. To, I could play his drums, but I had to bring my own snare drum, and I wasn't allowed to move the cymbals, and I wasn't allowed to move the drums. I wasn't allowed to change the height of the seat or anything like that. Okay. I could only, uh, I had to use his, his hi-hats, but I could use my own ride cymbal. Okay. So he took his, he took all his ride cymbals off. Okay. And just left the hi-hat cymbals. Okay. And left the seat and then took the snare drum. I had to put my snare drum without changing the angle. Okay. Oh, yeah, really. Okay. You couldn't adjust the, uh, the stand. could adjust anything. Right. Okay. You know, couldn't adjust the bass drum or anything. Right. So, uh, Sarah said, listen, just do the best you can. Yeah. Just, just, just do your best. But the drums were okay. My snare drum was I'm used to, but the bass drum wasn't all that bad. And what I appreciate that he didn't have no mufflers in his bass drum. Okay. I don't like to play a bass drum with a muffler. That's understandable. Because I learned how to muffle it with my foot. Right. I learned that from Max, <laughs> incidentally. Pardon me, Tommy? I learned that from Max, incidentally. Okay. He, he... I used to sit in Birdland when he was playing with Bud Powell. Uh-huh. And the only seats was available. Even though you pay a dollar to get in, uh -huh. the only seats where it was available was the seats next to Max Roach. Oh, great. <laughs> I always sat there, and I used to watch his feet. Yeah. And his hands, and try and watch Bud Powell, too. But I really went to see Bud Powell, because Bud Powell was amazing. Oh, sure. But it just so happens that uh, night after night, I'm sitting right under Max Roach. All right. And incidentally, I saw him Sunday. Really? They had an affair that they give award at the, the, 
uh, jazz church. Uh-huh. And I talked to him a little bit, and I told him about the photograph that I have of him that was taken the first time I met him. And uh, when i just come out of the Navy, and I met him, he was called, uh, uh, not Bert, but was Royal Roost. Okay, uh-huh. So I had the girl to take a picture of him, and I had the girl to take a picture, the, the, the photographer that was taking pictures, I had her take a picture of him and a picture of Charlie Parker. All right. All right. Now, Charlie Parker, picture Charlie Parker's autographed it. Great. Max didn't come to my table, but Charlie Parker did. Okay. And he autographed the picture, and it disappeared. I oh. think Pat Patrick's have it. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, anyway, so was Buddy Rich uh, fairly gracious about this, or...? Or was he abrasive? <laughs> well, what, but, but it wasn't Betty Rich that was doing the talking. Oh, I see. It was his, his, uh, he had somebody to set up his drums, and, and he was saying that Buddy Rich said this and Buddy Rich said that. Okay. But then I got a chance to meet Buddy Rich. That that night? On the last day. Okay. He played. Uh-huh. Because as soon as he would get finished playing, he would go out and we would come on. Okay. And then when we was off, uh, he had another drummer to start to start the show, and then he would come in. So we never got a chance to to talk. Okay. And so on the last couple of days or something like that, we sat down and uh, and he said something nice about me. He says, uh, uh, "I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate the way you handle my drums and blah blah blah. And I thank you. I hope you don't take it offense, but." Uh, uh, I have to keep my instrument. That's that's what I use. That's my life. And you know, he says I got to take care of it. Nobody else will. I said, Well, I understand. I'm the same way. So we sat down and we talked for a few minutes. And Charlie Parker came in. Wow. And Charlie Parker sat down. And so when Charlie Parker sat down, here comes Sarah and Richard. And they said to Charlie Parker, Oh, I want you to meet Buzz. Charlie Parker said, I already know him. That's who I came to see. Oh, it was so funny, man. Really so funny. <laughs>